0: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad.
3: If you two are finished comparing sizes,
0: Mackey and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN.
1: <laughs> All right, you and I kicked this around yesterday for a little while. Yep. So we figured let's let's make this official. We like ranking things, and we like football. So let's rank football things on the show today. We have our top five and bottom five NFL franchise stability rankings. Mm -hmm. You'll go first here. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know. This is kind of open to interpretation. The way I interpret it is stability of everything. So, from ownership all the way to front office and coaching and... Yep. Obviously, success has to be a part of it. Because like, the Ravens have stability, but they're, they haven't been very successful it's, recently. And
2: it's it's also reflective of where things stand for you right now, right? So it's like, you you can be a stable franchise, but if you're in a yeah. four-year decline, you, you didn't make my list. Prime example. Uh, f- five years ago, without doubt, the Packers make this list. Top five. Yeah. They're not on my top five list. Mm-hmm. Because they've had a GM change now. Their quarter, their star quarterback's not signed to an extension, so it, it's also how things are currently. Yes. So my top five, my top five NFL stability, and and just to be very clear, th- this came about because as we talked about uh, the the Vikings pre the Digs move, because it was on the Monday show, I I said to you, I said, when's the last time that you recall the Vikings of the four men's professional sports teams in, in this town or the four big ones? The Vikings are atop that list to me. And I said, I can't remember a time since I started following this team where I would have said the Vikings won. I mean, they yeah. used to have arrests. They were in a crappy practice facility. They were in a bad stadium. And right now, among those four teams, if you include the Wolves, Wild, and Twins, I would put the Vikings won. So, NFL stability rankings, I'll give you my top five first. Okay. My top one, it has to be the Patriots. Just year after year. And is there some dysfunction there right now? Probably. But nonetheless, when, wow. you, when you go to the Super Bowl as much as they have, and when, when you have the same coach and quarterback for that long, and when you continue to win, the Patriots are atop my list. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yep. Number two. Can I tell you, I don't have them in my five? I'm shocked by that. Okay. I'm okay. shocked no, we'll by continue, that continue. and would we'll debate continue. you on that. But nonetheless, okay. okay. Number two on my stability list, this also has to do with a quarterback... That, that they have. This has to do with the fact that this is a very good team. And, and this is a team that you brought up to me yesterday was the NFC favorite to win the Super Bowl. And I expressed some surprise there. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, Judd, you're a moron. It does mm-hmm. make sense. The Saints. The Saints have the Saints have had problems previously at times, but that's a seems to me to be a stable franchise right now. And once again, they have a quarterback. Okay, that's the top two.
1: And here's the <laughs> shocker.
2: <laughs> This is awesome. And here's the shocker. Oh, man. So I got through two teams, and I thought to myself, who's number three? And, and we're talking about overall stability here. So we're talking about what we know about your ownership, what we know about your players, yeah. what we know about where you play, even where you practice. The Minnesota Vikings are you number three. do not three. Have to apologize for the, that. The, the Minnesota Vikings are three. I'm not apologizing. I'm but just like saying, you, you
1: set it up with like an apology. High, it's like, It's oh, I'm shocked. It's, oh my god! Hey, hey, listen, listen. If if you they're, would ask they're me a, on they're a Monday, really good franchise.
2: If you had asked me on Monday just to sit down and rank these, and, and I came to them at three, I would have been surprised. I'm I am surprised about how good I feel about th- this team, which is probably a jinx and a curse of some sort. Sure.
1: But the Minnesota Vikings are three on my list. But the, but the reality about the Vikings is, once every five to ten years. They rip your heart out of your body and they stomp on it and then they have to kind of rebuild. but they always get back to relevance within two or three years yeah and then they make the playoffs and it's never sustained stretches of disaster.
2: No, it's not knock on wood. but now they've got you know they're, they're practicing in a state-of- the-art facility in Egan. they've For got sure. they've got a stadium that's gorgeous downtown. So the Vikings are third on my list. number four on my list, the Super Bowl champion Eagles. That's a stable franchise. Mm-hmm. It's well run. Therefore, and number five, and this is a franchise um, that at times is fantastic and at times drops off a bit, but but like the Vikings, it maintains a stability that probably actually exceeds what the Vikings have done for the mm-hmm. past 15 years, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers have, they've got a quarterback. Their coach might not be loved, but he's been there a long time. The stability of their coaches is really impressive. Yeah. So, so my top five... Stability wise, Phil Mackey, the Patriots, the Saints, the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Steelers. Okay. Um, how about should I fly through my five and then yeah, we go can maybe, your do our, maybe do our stability? Yeah. We,
1: okay. Yes. We'll see. We might have to take a break in here somewhere, but we can run long with this segment. Wow. Okay. This is interesting. So I'm going to give you my honorable mentions for for this list. So guys, so these would be the teams that are outside my top five, and I'll give you reasons for these. I put the Patriots outside my top five. And I don't think it's debatable anymore. Are they stable for this season? Mostly. Yes. But if you don't know who your coach or quarterback are going to be beyond this upcoming season, that's not stability. If They've been stable for almost 20 years. But yeah. if you don't... I, I think we trust Robert Kraft as an owner. But, it, but Bill Belichick runs that front office. Bill Belichick is the head coach. And Tom Brady is in his 40s. And you don't know if either one of those guys is going to be around beyond this season. So that's the opposite of stability. If I don't know when I think of stability, I think I'm comfortable knowing like, for the reasonable, foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. In the NFL, it's never 10 years, but like for the next three years, I, I'm i pretty comfortable knowing what's going to happen here. And you can't say that about the Patriots. So ex- you can fight me on that. Well, but-
2: their run of stability is so impressive that, that until they screw th- that up, I am sticking with them.
1: But are you confident you know what they're going to be in 2019?
2: I think they might start to fall off a bit, but I'm confident that either Brady or... Belichick, if not both, will be back but at least one and and the potential stability of the fact that that's Belichick leads me down the path that I can't take them off my list
1: And I, I have the Saints on the outside of the top 5 too because their quarterback is also like 40 years old and is contemplating retirement here and if if I don't know who the quarterback is going to be and their defense has had a lot of questions over the years and they just kind of popped up again last year um, I'm going to keep the Saints out of the five. All right. The Seahawks are an honorable mention for me too. It's they'd for sure be in the top five if not number one as of maybe two years ago. But it seems like a lot of their stars are either fading or going away from the franchise. They've a a great quarterback and ownership. I don't. Yeah. They seem to be eroding a little bit here. So. I'm with you. Uh, And then a team that's on the that's definitely on the come. The, The 49ers have their quarterback. The 49ers have their coach, and they've shown that. They've been able to build winners here, even under this ownership group. So here's my five. Number five, mm-hmm. stability rankings NFL franchises. Number five, the Kansas City Chiefs. And people might say, well, they have a rookie quarterback, though. Right. But Andy Reid screams stability. He had like two losing seasons in a decade and a half with the Eagles. And ever since he took the reign. So they went 2-14 and 14 the year before he got to Kansas City. Immediate overnight 11-5 and five record. 9-7, and 11-5, 12-4, 10-6. They haven't won the Super Bowl, but they're constantly winning double-digit games, and, and Andy Reid screams stability. So, roster, coach, front office, and uh, a promising big-arm quarterback that they traded up for in the first round. Number four, I agree, Steelers, although it doesn't seem quite as stable because Big Ben talks about retiring. He's getting older. Mike Tomlin's stock seems to be dropping a little bit. Le'Veon Bell holding out. So, the Steelers might have been one or two on this list. I don't even, I wasn't even 100% sure about putting them in the top five, but you know, it's ownership to front office. They, they rarely fire coaches, and so they have to be in here somewhere. Number three, Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, and, and you went to said this a couple years ago, but the Rams have a coach, they got a quarterback for the next 10 years, they have a savvy, smart front office. They're in Los Angeles now with all these resources yeah. and new facilities. I need more time to do this one, yeah. Yeah, but windows are fleeting in the NFL. I mean, windows... Well, then sign Aaron Donald. But, but, but again, okay, Rams or Patriots, if we're talking stability of franchise for the foreseeable future, which franchise are you more sure is going to be relevant in two or three years from now? Because I'm... It's the Rams. I'm putting see, my I'd money roll, on the Rams. I'd roll
2: the, I, until I, I see more from the Rams, I'd roll the dice and go Patriots. But what are you rolling the dice on with the Patriots? The Tom Brady's going to be 44? Or, and... or the Belichick's going to stay there. Brady's finally going to leave, and they'll okay. find a quarterback. They they're are really well run. They are really well run, and the Rams appear to have turned a corner, but I need to see more. Okay. Number two, Vikings,
1: and number one, Eagles, on my stability rankings. And I think the Vikings and Eagles are both pretty similar in that Well, the the Eagles have maybe the best quarterback of the next 10 years, but a guy who's not quite, you know, he's still developing and now he's coming off an injury, Mm -hmm. but able to plug in either young or backup quarterback into a great infrastructure and it works. So roster is honed for both the Vikings and the Eagles. Uh, You can plug and play different types of quarterbacks and you don't have to worry. It's not like the Packers where quarterback goes down, you're screwed. Yeah For Vikings and Eagles, quarterback goes down, or you change quarterbacks, you're still going to win nine or ten games minimum and and be competitive because defense, uh, facilities, ownership, to front office, to coach. Eagles number one, Vikings number two, Rams number three, Steelers number four, Chiefs number five in my NFL franchise stability rankings. All right, should we come back
2: with our bottom five? Okay, (laughs) because my bottom five. We can debate.
1: We can debate our top five a little bit. My bottom five's
2: more fun. because you're an ambulance jaser. <laughs> so I couldn't decide who to put in it. There's so many teams. There, there's, there's about 10 teams that I'll vied for my bottom five.
1: Also, uh, we can open up phone lines here. We have Jason Stark as a guest in about 15 minutes. But you know whether it's next segment or beyond that, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next.
0: Oh, no, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and John. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. What do you think? (laughs) It's pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN.
1: Introducing Domino's Hotspots. Get pizza delivered to outdoor locations like parks, beaches, and more. Not at home, not a problem. Visit dominoes.com for
2: details on Domino's Hotspots.
1: We're ranking stability of NFL franchises because we like to rank things and we like football. We're
2: good at it. We're really good at so, ranking things.
1: So that's what we're doing on the show today. Uh, so you you had, let me see, my top five, this is st- stability of NFL franchises. And I, and I interpret that as sort of ownership, front office, coaching, quarterback, if it's facilities... And some eye toward the future. Eagles, Vikings, Rams, Steelers, and Chiefs are in my five. And I left the Patriots and the Saints out because they have old quarterbacks. And the Patriots specifically, it feels like this might be the last year. Yep. And if I don't know what's going to happen beyond this year, you're not stable anymore. And
2: so, Sorry, Patriots. And one to five, I went Patriots, Saints, Vikings, Eagles, and Steelers. So we agreed on three of the five. Cool. All right, let's go to the bottom. Judd's
1: favorite thing. Let's this chase was, ambulances This was here.
2: very difficult for me.
1: Um, why don't you fire away first here? Okay. With your bottom five least stable NFL franchises. I almost feel like I feel like we're going to match on these. All right. I don't know. Well,
2: maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. All right. Number five on my list, and they, they've got a couple quarterbacks now, including one that they drafted, and they finally made the playoffs last year. But as Collar said, there are always some type of dumpster fire or have been for 20 years for the most part. The Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills seem to have a, a special... Ability to find instability. So I put hmm. them five. Okay. Number four, this is a an NFC North team that actually has trended in the right direction uh, compared to what they used to be for a few years now. But I think they might have made a, a mistake in hiring Matt Patricia, a Belichick d- disciple, as their coach, the Detroit Lions. The Lions always seem to be able to, just as you think they're turning a significant corner, screw it up. The Detroit Lions are number four on my list. Number three, this might surprise people because this is a team that was on the precipice of a Super Bowl berth last year. But when you put your faith in what appears to be a journeyman coach, and more importantly, when you continue to put your faith in what is just an awful quarterback, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow! Whoa! I, I love your de- I love your defense, but Blake they went to the AFC title. But game. Blake Bortles, really? This is a team. <laughs> if you were to ask me, if you were to, if you were to, in the tape, if you were to flat out ask me, who do I think is going to take a huge step backwards? I think Jacksonville's going to lose a ton of close games because the, the defense is good. I mean, the, the Vikings build up this defense and then they're smart enough to say, okay, offensively, what mm-hmm. can we do? And they even go from Keenum, who who we certainly on this show questioned, but had a great year, and say, let's try and get a quarterback. Sure. And the Jaguars okay. front office and head coach says, let's stick with Blake
1: Bortles? So I'm not putting them in my top five. I didn't think of them as a bottom five candidate anymore because they just went to the AFC Championship game, but if you don't know who your quarterback is, and you might play football in London in two years yeah, from now... Yeah,
2: I, I just don't... I
1: feel like it's a little too spicy of a take, but it's not... All right, it's interesting. Uh, this is a, They're this, closer to the bottom five than the top five. We'll give you that.
2: This is a franchise with a great quarterback if he's healthy. Uh, but it's otherwise, since Manning left, been run pretty much as a disaster. And that great quarterback doesn't necessarily have the proper infrastructure to be successful... And so I think the ownership with the Ursay family is a complete mess and a joke. Yeah. The Indianapolis Colts. I love Andrew Luck. And if he's healthy and good, he can single-handedly drag you to, to the playoffs. But if you're asking me about complete stability, the Colts are no are, are at the bottom of my list. I just don't think they're well-run. And, and the luck draft pick came from the fortunate fact that Peyton missed that year because of the bad neck. Yeah. And if they hadn't had that fortune, they would be on what now, Phil? Five or six years of being terrible? Mm-hmm. So the Indianapolis Colts, largely because of the Ursays, are number two on my list. And then number one, I'm not moving them until they show something. They might have solved their quarterbacks situation. They might not have. But when I sat on this show yesterday and said that this team might win, or that I thought this team would win five games and that was a big deal, that is the height of instability. This thing's been a dumpster fire since they got an expansion team back, which they happen to name the same as the team that left for Baltimore. Congratulations, Cleveland Browns. So I go Browns, Colts, Jaguars, Lions, Bills. All right. We match only on
1: three of these, actually. And and not even, well, I'll just get to it. My honorable (laughs) mention here is the Packers. They're not bottom five, but every time Aaron Rodgers goes down with an injury, so once like five years ago and then again last year, you see just how cobwebby the rest of the house is, right? Like, oh, he goes away and all of a sudden you got termites in the basement, you got a water leak yeah, up no, in the
2: attic. They weren't well run. Electricity problems. Invite,
1: yes. Yeah. And so they Would have you. brought in, you know, they they promoted from within mostly, right, with uh, Kunst so they're they're mostly being held together by Aaron Rodgers duct tape, and he turns 35 years old soon. He's no longer in his prime, 29, 30 years old. I, I still think he's gonna he's gonna play at a top level, but you know he's they're getting closer to bottom five territory here. Number five, bottom five. So we're counting down to the worst here. The Miami Dolphins. <laughs> you know the Miami Dolphins haven't won a playoff game in almost two decades. They've only been to the playoffs. Let's see here, one time. Since two thousand eight and twice since two thousand one. And that's a division. I get the Patriots in that division, okay? But so are the Jets and the Bills. And the AFC has teams like the Browns and the Jaguars have been mostly terrible for ten years. Yep. And you can't get to the playoffs? Yep. What are you doing? Nope. And they're, that's a good one. so they're rotating coaches. I'm with you. It's good. You know, the longest a coach has been there since Dave Wanstad left in two thousand three has been like three and a half years. Philbin, three years and done. Sperano, three years and done. Adam Gaze, this will be his third year. So the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Tannehill, not really a top-notch quarterback prospect anymore. So number five on my list. All right. Number four, the Detroit Lions. I'm with you on this one. It's not as bad as it used to be, but they're still a bottom five franchise in terms of stability because it's Matthew Stafford and a bad defense and... It's kind of a coaching carousel. Yeah. So, and obviously they're trying Matt Patricia now again. Number three on my lack of stability list. Indianapolis Colts. You and I agree on this one. Andrew Luck, when healthy, is fantastic, if not one of the top five quarterbacks in the league. We don't know if he's ever going to be the same for one, so there's a big question. Owner gets in trouble with the law on a regular basis. There's question number two. Front office has had a ton of turnover, coaching, everything. Like, everything's in turmoil except... Andrew Luck, and even he has turmoil because of his arms. You could even put them higher on this list, but uh, they're number three on mine. Number one is the Browns, and number two is the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston, not a franchise quarterback, suspended for the first three games, too many interceptions, reckless, Mm -hmm. and coaching carousel for them. It seems like it's a new coach every three to four years. And again, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, another team, when when everyone playoff brackets are turning over year after year, and teams are bouncing from like two wins to eleven, like the Chiefs did a few years ago, if you just hire the right coach, and despite all of that parity, the Bucks haven't made the playoffs since two thousand seven when John Gruden was still their coach. Yep, that's a good and, one uh, They haven't won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl in two thousand two. How about that? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are number two on my list, and the Browns for obvious reasons. Least stable franchise, probably in America, in all the team sports. Put it this way, they're praying for Baker Mayfield to save their franchise, and how many people look at him as the model of stability for personality and everything else? So Browns, least stable, Mm -hmm. Bucks, number two, Colts, number three, Lions, number four, Dolphins, number five, and Packers, if not for
2: Aaron Rodgers, knocking on the door. Sorry, cheeseheads. So I went uh, Browns, won Colts, Jaguars, Lions, and Bills.
1: Yeah. I really think the 49ers might be in the top five before it's all said and, and they done, have maybe been even after too. this season.
2: Yeah. They were recently, right? You could even yeah, say four years ago they were in the top five. Yeah, dysfunction cost them. But yeah, they are. They, there have been many times uh, since the Walsh Montana combination came along in the early 80s, there have been many times that they have been a model franchise. Yeah. So, I would not be surprised. Uh,
1: John Heyman, by the way, shifting to baseball here briefly. Got breaking news. Said, this this is kind of to do with Dozier. Yep. He said, Travis Shaw is getting first crack at second base for the Brewers, but Mike Moustakis could be the second baseman instead, eventually. How? Moose isn't especially small either, but he played a shortstop in high school, which was like
2: okay, that doesn't ten years ago. Okay, that doesn't <laughs> this this doesn't work for me if you're serious about oh, man. about competing now because I saw the note on Friday after the Mustakis trade that Shaw might move, which I guess I sort of get, but you're really going to move Mike Moustakis? I mean, you you've seen him recently. He is a stout man, I would say.
1: I feel like. The, the, the Twins put Michael Kadire at second base in a playoff game in like 2004 or yeah. something, maybe even 2002, 2003. Uh, Lethal George chimes in on Twitter here. It's a great Twitter handle. The most stable NFL team is the Bengals. Always eight or nine wins and lose in the first round of the playoffs and always have the
2: same coach. Yeah, that's not far off. <laughs> but yeah. if
1: success has to be a key ingredient, then obviously. But, but in terms of just like always being the same, the Cincinnati Bengals they, are pretty They close. would
2: make my middle list. Not the most stable and not the least. If I put together a five. The meh, most bland franchises. Meh, they're going to show up for games. I think the Bengals would be number one on that list. Could beat you on any given night, but probably won't. And and Dalton will throw a dumb pick, and the coach's team will melt down in key <laughs> times. Yeah. Uh, Jason
1: Stark will join us when we come back. We can talk trade rumors, hoping he has trivia for us again. And then um, if you guys have thoughts on the Twins fire sale, or anything Stefan Diggs contract-related, phone lines open from Jason Stark to the end of the show, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley-dokley. On 1500
0: ESPN. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. The decline of moral and ethical integrity. Let's hear it. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, now with MLB Network contributor and senior baseball writer with the athletic Jason Stark. Brought to you by Grundhoffer's old-fashioned Meats. Bring the excitement of Grunthoffers to your next cookout.
1: All right. Jason Stark, read his wonderful baseball musings on theathletic.com/slash MLB Stadium TV for his baseball stories. Uh, Jason, we're kinda we're trying to figure out here. It's not like Chris Archer is a rent-a pitcher, and there's all these rumors with three and a half hours before the trade deadline, and and then there was all these rumors in the off season. Twins were talking. <laughs> Why would the Rays be so eager to trade a guy who's got a pretty team-friendly contract?
3: Um, this is what the Rays do. <laughs>
1: <All right. laughs> true, it's this very true.
3: <laughs> you know they. You know you hate to think that. Um, yeah, you, you hate to think that players are just commodities but that's really in, in the Rays' world what they turn into everything is all right, what's the equity involved with this player and what can we get back if we move this player uh chris archer is ready to move on and i think that's part of this equation and he has he really his last three seasons two and a half seasons he's been trending in the wrong direction He's still a high-strikeout guy with a great slider. And I think because of that, teams are intrigued by him. He's got control. Teams are intrigued by that. But if they think he's trending in the wrong direction and they think they can sell high enough, that is just what they do.
2: Yeah. So, Jason, that's smart then, though, right? I mean, it's smart to to be able to, to take a step back from the player himself and whether you like him or not, sort of disassociate from that and, and just look at... At what? At where he's trending?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think all teams have to do that to some degree. Um, you know, emotions always get in the way of astute decision making, especially this time of year. But I, I, you know, I also think in the Rays' case, they it feels like they don't get really that attached to anybody. Everybody that plays there expects to be leaving there. At some point, yeah. and um, I, I um, they, you know, the manager has actually done a tremendous job there. Kevin Cash. The front office is very smart, and they, they hold it together. It feels like a pretty good vibe in the room most of the time. But long term, these are players who know they're just passing through. And I, I, I just think, ultimately, it is hard to run your team that way. You know, they're the extreme of it. Mm-hmm.
2: So Bryce Harper, as of last night, was going to be traded. And then I saw a note this morning say, saying saying that, that the GM is saying he's not going to be traded. If you were the Nationals, should he be traded?
3: I think it's too late to do it. Um, if you were going to really trade Bryce Harper... <laughs> you had to lay the groundwork for that a long time ago. Uh, Not so much we're going to trade him, but to tell teams, look, if this goes the wrong way, if we get to July 31st, and we have a losing record. um, We're, you know, we're open for business. What's he worth to you? So at least you know what your options are. You don't start with 22 hours to go Uh, to make a deal like that. And, um, I, I do think that there's been some stuff that's happened over the last week his remarks about j t real muto that really aggravated some people there that run that team, but it was just was too late um and that, that that's the issue with that one
1: yeah uh what what's your tread deadline day experience like what uh do you just, do you sit in a robe with some smooth jazz in the background refreshing refreshing <laughs> yeah. twitter what do you do on a day like this <laughs> I've, I've never done that in my
3: life. You know, every, every year is a little different. This year, I, I was in Cooperstown. I didn't get back to last night. Um, I I don't have TV responsibilities today uh, except to do some post-deadline analysis on Stadium Studio Show later. Um, so it's not as insane for me as it is most years. I mean, most years I'm in a studio. We're just trying to gather as much as we can gather. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm really just trying to sift through it, but I am not in a robe. I have no smooth jazz <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm just grateful for that it's not as crazy as it is most years for me.
1: Yeah. What what was your Hall of Fame experience? That was a huge class. That this is if you're ranking, you know, year by year the classes and the clout and the names and, and just the volume of great players and this was this has gotta be pretty high up there, don't you think?
3: Well, for volume of greatness, yeah I think it's number one. Yeah, you hadn't had Six living players inducted since 1955, which was the Joe DiMaggio class. But um, that class didn't have the firepower, or the star power of this one. Plus, issue you had Bob Costas gave an incredible, beautiful speech on Saturday. Um, I loved all six speeches. Thought all six guys came off great. Plus Costas, just an amazing weekend.
2: The the toughest part was was for for the the most part the guys that got up and talked did a very good job of not crying and I was on my couch and I teared up at least three times and I thought they're not even crying and I'm starting to cry. Uh,
3: I did. I admit I did. Hey, when Jim told me his daughter sang the anthem I cried.
2: I can see (laughs) that. Beautiful.
3: And um, I'm with you. Uh, You know, every time these guys start thanking people, thanking family, dads, moms, grandparents, wives, kids, I, I lose it. <laughs> yeah, no, you it's know, great. The, like the, the surreal thing is, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys, we've talked about this a little bit, but I am on the Spink ballot next year. I, there's a chance it could be me giving that speech next year. It was really surreal to think about that. I, I don't know if I could make it through it. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's, um, have you thought about, i I know you you probably don't want to sit here and talk about yourself, but you know we no. we appreciate and respect the work that you've done over the years. Have you thought about you know who the the people who have helped you the most like who are the people that come to mind right away for you even just being nominated for for an award like that
3: well i i am i'm not that comfortable talking about this <laughs> right now um you know i, I don't, you guys don't even know if i I might vote for Patrick groy <laughs> myself right but um <laughs> It, he'll, you know, kill, he'll I, kill
1: you by the way he
3: doesn't want to win <laughs> uh, yeah I've heard that rumor um, th- just briefly uh, I'm, you know I grew up my mom was a writer I wanted to be a sports writer it's, I'm doing what I always dreamed of doing and so there's that there's her um, I grew up in Philadelphia reading some amazing sports writers uh, I would write letters as a kid to Stan Hockman and he would actually write back to me and that that was huge. You'll never know how much that meant to me. Um, after college, I worked a little bit in Providence, Rhode Island, and then I got to read Peter Gammons all the time and then meet Peter, get to know him, and uh, he was a gigantic influence. I always tell him that uh, just the other day, I told him that everything I've ever done in my life, he did first to so thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I, I could go on here, I'm not going to give a speech, but it, it is. <laughs> It, it just—it was surreal to hear the speeches and think, "Oh my God, I, I, I have to think about who I'm going to thank."
2: Pressure's on, Stark. The pressure's on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll thank you guys first. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd yeah. Be great, Mackie yeah. and Judd, the show I'm on yeah. with <laughs> in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I just Does like you, to throw uh, it yeah, out yeah, there. Ra-
1: rank all your radio hits. Put us number one. Uh, yeah. And then go to, go from there. <laughs> yeah.
3: And I'm not, I'm not assuming I'm going to win. What are we doing here? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, what the
2: heck. Uh All right, so this week and today in particular, I absolutely love. I love the speculation. I love the trade talks. I love the fact that that trades are made. And if they're not made, it's still fun. So Jason Stark, play commissioner for a second. How could you capture a moment of, of the winter and make it like this? Because this is what I miss. I mean, the NBA has perfected it. Football is very good. Hockey is decent. How do we capture the free agent market slash and and it used to be the the win, winter meetings trades, but how do yep. we capture this? Because this this is what sports is about to a certain degree now, and I missed it. And when we had guys signing in March, I'm sorry, that's no fun.
3: Obviously, you need deadlines, and you know, I I got myself in a lot of trouble on Twitter the 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 night that LeBron signed, and just by mentioning that lebron james free agency was over by dinner mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. jd martinez didn't sign a little, like 20th, february 26th and, and people started trying to explain to me the difference between the two sports and i get that and the difference between the two uh, basic agreements and i get that um but in in the other sports in free agency teams get down to business and baseball has become this incredible waiting game, war of wills between teams and, and agents. And so obviously what you need is some kind of deadline. And I don't know how you ever get there in this sport, but deadlines force things to happen. And what we've seen this week is just living proof of that.
1: Yeah, I think what just to add to it too, I mean, LeBron James or whoever the free agent is, if you're, if you're one of the best players in the NBA – you know how much money you're going to make six months beforehand. You know what your max individual contract is. And so you don't spend three months haggling over an extra $50 million on the contract. In baseball, there's no parameters. You can sign a guy to a 10-year deal, a three-year deal, $30 million, $80 you I mean, you can, there's no salary cap. And so I think what happens is guys just play the waiting game and hope that the team is going to blink. Agents and players can sit there and, and, and right. the, the two sides just stare at each other because there's no parameters to start a negotiation, really.
3: Right, that's exactly right, and uh, I, I I don't know how you change that dynamic without uh, without a cap or a deadline, and there's not going to be a cap,
2: <laughs> right? No, there's so, not going to be, um, uh, not. Last one for, for for you, sir, and I'm sure that that this stood out to you last night. Can you remember, or do you know the last time that we had not one but two power delays on a given night? I, like, how great was that? So well, how great I, was that? Like, I have
3: this in my book of stuff that I keep track of every day <laughs> for, for strange but true Feats of the Year purposes. I, I, you think I'm going to call the Elias Sports Bureau this morning and say, what's the last time you had
1: two 20-minute power delays? We fully think- expect you to wake <laughs> up and have that be the first Absolutely. thing on your checklist. I thought you'd you call them
2: last night and leave don't a voicemail. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they, they would hang up on me. But uh, I'm glad you brought this up because you'll hear about it
1: again sometime. Yeah, it's uh, I, okay. What's the what's the goofiest thing you've ever attempted to request from like Elias or or when you worked at ESPN? ESPN stats and info. Do you ever remember just like shamefully picking up the phone and thinking, "There's no way they're going to know this, but I have to ask." Well,
3: well I, uh, here's a variation on that. Right, this is before I worked at ESPN and before we had BaseballReference.com and the uh, you know some of these tools we had to look stuff up. Um, I was coming to Phillies. Phillies had a guy named Von Hayes, right? And one oh, yeah. year he had 20 homers. Yeah. And then the next year, we're in September, he had no homers. <laughs> right? He had wow. 450 play appearances or something yep. and no homers. So I, I called up Elias and I said, could you look this up for me? Elias guy to go from 20 homers to no homers and he plays every day and they said, hey, this would be a, a really extensive project, so would your paper be willing to pay? <laughs> they a price. And they quoted me a price. I asked the paper, and they said, what, are you crazy? <laughs> so I went back, and they said, All right, it's going to take a really long time to run this program, but if you think you would like to take a shot at it yourself, we'll tell you whether you're right or not. Wow. So the only the only way to do this back then was I had to take out the baseball encyclopedia and go year to year. Oh my god. And to, I wrote about this in the Baseball Prospectus annual for Tim Kirkchin and I used to do this once in a while we it would be called our 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 trip through the encyclopedia. And you don't do it all at once like you try to minimize the pain by all right you're watching tv or you're watching a game or something and you need through like 20 or 30 years <laughs> but anyway you know four days later i'd gone through the entire year by year in the encyclopedia i couldn't find anybody so i called up the, the guy from elias who i originally talked to and said all right i've wasted four days <laughs> like 17 hours of my life looking this up and i can't find anybody and he said
1: yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're kidding. No. Uh, it makes me
3: appreciate great research tools like we have now. Cyn- Computers are excellent.
1: Cynical Twins fans listening would have, would have said, Joe Maurer. Joe Maurer went from Von Hayes. To yeah. Five for one, right?
3: It was five for one, which is kind of fitting this time them. of year, right? Yes, it is. By, by the way, just a quick aside here. Teams I've talked to really like what the Twins did. I uh, they think they've gotten really high upside young players in every one of these deals awesome. for what it's worth.
1: Uh, Tyler Austin, do anything? for Tyler Austin's the like the, they, mo- the most ready. He's, he was yeah, there starting for a baseman to start the year.
3: He's a major league player. Um, he, you know, he, he's he's a major league player, and that's that's really what he's there for because he you could put him in the big leagues now if you need that. But the other guys, they were willing to take high upside young players stash them in their system be- behind the other group that's that's more big league ready and buy their time and they've, they've got some guys with a chance to be really good yeah.
1: alright let's do a quick little trivia session here Jason Stark on this uh, trade deadline afternoon slash morning depending on where you are fire away Jason
3: Okay, I was thinking about this the other day watching Chipper Jones give his Hall of Fame speech uh, you know Chipper one of the great switch hitters ever uh, 14, 20 homer seasons. Uh, only three twin switch hitters have ever hit 20 homers in a season. Just guess who they are.
2: Smalley is one of them. Smalley.
3: Yeah.
2: That was my bad. Yeah,
1: don't you're, you're so ready to rule M- us wrong. You don't do that to James me. Is like, you guys are never going to get. All right, so I'm trying Smalley's to impress one. Stark here. So we need, we need two others.
2: <laughs> and we were trying to impress him. He's the king of the stuff. Yes, we need two more.
1: Wow. Wait, take it. We need two more, right? Two so more. Smalley's one of them.
3: Smalley's definitely one of them. He actually did it twice. He's the only twin who ever did it twice.
1: Wow. I'm trying to think of just twin switch hitters, period. Yeah, that's the hard part. Yeah, they don't... They... Uh, was, um... Let's
3: just say you shouldn't
1: have to think back very far in history for one of them. I um, might be got you covered then, oh. if that's the case. Um, <laughs> Ryan Domit? Did Ryan Domit hit 20 with the 20s? Oh, my God, you were Ryan right, mm-hmm. Yes! Oh, snap! Uh, No, no, he He called that. that Stark called you get hung up on Domet. Oh,
2: he's trolling us. Wait a second. Stark was trolling us. That is
1: next level by Jason Stark. this is even more recent than him.
2: (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. More recent than Ryan Domet. Hold on. I'm just trying to think of last year, right? Did did Grossman do it?
1: Grossman didn't hit 20 home runs. No. No, Grossman didn't. He's a switch hitter, but he didn't hit 20. It happened last year?
2: Oh my, oh my! Wait, 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 wait. Just hold on. Seriously, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Polanco? <laughs> he did not get to 20.
1: Who the hell hit 20 for the Twins the last third, year? Wait,
2: the third base. No, They so might no.
1: have just traded him this week. Eduardo okay. <laughs> okay, Eduardo on. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. And then... Uh, <laughs> I'm done. You know I'm done what? with this Whatever. game. Who's the third I'm one? I'm done with this uh, game. We give up. That's no. embarrassing. The other guy's not a long-time twin, but he hit the most of
3: all. He's
1: a hitting coach now. Come on. He's oh, Chili. Chili Davis. Chili.
2: Yeah. Chili. Okay. Thanks, na- Thanks for 49. all the
1: clues. His name passed through my head before I said Ryan Doman. I'll have you know.
2: <laughs> I-, I like the fact that Stark is now predicting what it's, we'll get wrong. Great, and he's yeah. got the exact name.
1: He's like, so they're not going to get this. And here's one of the guys okay. they're going to guess yeah. wrong. That's great. <laughs>
3: But you led yourself into Ryan Domet.
2: <laughs> Hello, Cooperstown. The first people I'd like to thank are Mackie and Judd, those, yeah. those numb nuts in the Twin Cities. I'll <laughs> never
1: forget Ryan Ryan Domit staring down a young beat writer, Phil Mackie, yeah, when I good. ask, what happened on that drop pop-up? And he whips his head around and yells, what the bleep do you think happened? I'm like, oh, let's go to New York. Thanks, Ryan. Good we'll time. talk to you tomorrow, buddy. All right, Jason, good stuff.
3: Talk to you next week, guys. Right.
1: Bye. Jason Stark, Athletic. theathletic.com slash MLB. <laughs> And uh, we're horrible clock managers, so we're going to squeeze in a break here. Open phone lines from now until 1 if you have Twins fire sale thoughts or if you have Stefan Diggs contract thoughts, 651-646-8255, 877 like 615 this
0: quality entertainment. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Out
1: is winning a $200 Meadows at the Mystic Lake gift card, $50 Walmart gift card, or Yeti mug for just listening to 1500 ESPN sound. Those prizes and more are up for grabs at the 1500 ESPN stream player. Earn entries by hitting daily, weekly, and monthly listening thresholds, aka the more you listen, the more chances you have to win. Head to 1500ESPN.com and start winning. So, I, Chili Davis was going to be guessed. I'm just going to say, like, we were going to guess Chili Davis because I was going to guess Chili Davis because I remember him. He had, well, he was only here for like two years, but I do remember him having a great year in '91. And uh, and I'm just pulling up his yeah, 29 bombs, 93. I think we would have. I think the one we wouldn't have gotten is Eduardo Escobar. That's I think hilarious. we would have gotten well, clear, Smalley, and I was clearly. I was going to throw Chili Davis out, but once we got derailed on Ryan Doman, it was like uh so we would, have, we would have gone two for three and forgot Eduardo Escobar as the switch hitter who hit 20 bombs for the Twins In 2017, <laughs> that's the two best years. part. Why is it harder sometimes to remember things that happened last night than Age, 25 man. years Age, ago? Age, man.
2: Age. Because st- stuff from your childhood doesn't leave you. Just, like it, it's Smalley. ingrained in your head. Smalley was the starting all-star in the 1979 um, game in Seattle for the American League, yeah. and he had a just a monster first half, and I'll never forget it. I was nine. I can't remember, for the life of me, but most of the things that happened when I was 47. Yeah.
1: It's age. Uh, Ryan Domit. my suspicion is true. I thought the number was 18, but I guessed him anyways, and it was. He hit 18 home runs in 2012. How,
2: how many home runs did Polanco hit last year? Must have been close. Was right? I anywhere close? That's what I was going to say. Was I wildly off, or was I... We should
1: I... just have a segment every day where you and I spend five or ten minutes on the radio just baseball referencing things. And throwing them out, I could do decent uh, from the Polanco late seventies. Uh, Thirteen home runs. so okay, so not that close. Polanco only has seventeen career home runs. All
2: right, well, there, there you go. It I was, love, I love the fact that Stark nailed you, guessing Dolman. That's, what I thought that's was next level. What I thought it was is. really
1: funny was when I said last year, you're like, did Robbie Grossman do it? Was it Polanco? <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Grossman. And I'm, and I am captain Robbie Grossman here. I okay? was just trying Team to think captain. of all the switch
2: hit, hitters I possibly could. From last year, that's what I'm saying. The 2017 season, essentially, as far as specific specifics go for the Twins, now is a blur to me. In fact, let's quiz you here. The '80 season, I can I can probably go through the rotation for you. All right, let's let it's me let's, let's do that. Frightening fact. You know
1: what? No, let's uh, let's do that when we can, we're gonna do a little joint segment when we come back. We're gonna quiz Judd's knowledge about, and not that I would fare any better, but a prime year from your childhood and something that happened last year and see how you can do. Sure. We also uh will keep you posted with 2 hours to go, actually 3 hours to go until the Major League Baseball trade deadline. Uh let's see, the Indians just acquired Leonis Martin, outfielder. He used to be a top he's to like a 2020 guy at one point or something and but yeah. he's kind of he's kind of bounced back here in the last year. Uh Brad Ziegler to the Diamondbacks. Okay. He was there he was with the Diamondbacks last year, but he's back with the Diamondbacks okay. now. Or maybe 2 years ago, whatever, but Uh, We'll keep you posted. If Brian Dozier gets dealt, we'll be all over it. And more on the Stefan Diggs contract extension too. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Before we take a break, I just want to throw a couple cheap, cheap plugs out for 1500 ESPN.com content. So collar is pumping purple podcasts right now. It's the best Vikings podcast in the Twin Cities. Uh Andy Carlson also has a new episode of Purple FTW. Those are our two Vikings podcasts on our network. So you can check both of those out. And uh, Kyler has a couple awesome written pieces. One, what it's like to be on the wrong end of a quintessential Randy Moss play. You can read through that today. A little bit overshadowed by the Stefan Diggs contract, but you can, that'll be on the front page of our website for the next couple of days. Yep. And then uh, Mike Zimmer, the last honest head coach. All all worth your time reading on fifteen hundred Espn.com. And it, and it, all the things Judd writes too. Thanks a lot, Phil. Yeah. But Collar has two That awesome was features. very
2: Judd like of you to throw me, me in there at the end there with uh, oh and the stuff that Judd writes. No, too. but like yes, you Mo- lots of time the, moss, on these p- the Moss piece, but by, by the way, is a great read because it looks at it looks at a play that every Vikings fan recalls, but we've never seen an in-depth look at exactly how, how it unfolded, including including the opposing player it happened to. Yes.
1: So, so that's really uh, that's the first story on 1500ESPN.com. 8255 877 615 People, people, I have an
0: important announcement.
1: Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Woo! on
0: 1500ESPN.